we're going to be looking at God's golden rule. Hallelujah. Let me start off by saying that the earth is governed by God. Amen. The earth is governed by God. God is in complete control. God is in charge of every situation that is going on. It doesn't matter what the devil is doing, him and his court. It doesn't matter what you may be going through as a child of God. It doesn't matter what seems to be turning upside down and it's as if, you know, things are out of control. No, it's not true. God is still God and he still governs nature, governs human, governs the, the realm of the spirit, governs everything that exists upon the face of the universe. Praise the name of our God. And not only that God governs, we also see that there are human governments. There are systems that are put in place. In fact, in certain government or in most government, we have what they call constitutions. Hallelujah. There are laws, there are rules, there are regulations. There are principles that govern a nation, govern a chiefdom, a community, a society. Praise God. And there are those rules and there are also consequences that if you break the law or you break the rules, you're going to suffer certain consequences or you may be arrested or you're going to be punished. Praise God. And all of these are meant, take note now, they are meant so that you and I will be able to live a secure life. All of these rules and regulations are put in place because we as humans, we are fallen creatures. And as fallen creatures, we have sinful tendencies, sinful natures. Praise God. We tend to do evil, do wickedness. Praise God. We tend to hurt each other. Praise God. We tend to rebel against the standard of God's word. We tend to break spiritual as well as uh, governmental or political or natural protocols. We'll break them somehow. When we want, to, uh, we want to get our own way, we want to do our own things. Praise God. And so when we talk about God's golden rules, we're talking about God's standard that he has set, God's principles, God's institution, God's own constitution, God's own laws, rules, and regulation, and God's own governance. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, even in the natural, there are laws that you cannot break. There are laws. If you throw something up, for sure, the law of gravity says that it will definitely come down. Praise God. Hallelujah. If you cannot swim, it is natural that if you jump into the water, you're going to sink, you're going to drown. Praise God. Hallelujah. There are some natural laws, praise God, that even though they were not instituted by man, but they are just natural. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If the rain is falling and you go out there without a covering, it is natural you're going to get wet. Praise God. These are things that are just natural things. Hallelujah. There are natural laws. There are spiritual laws spiritual laws hallelujah praise the name of the lord hallelujah there are laws that has to do with institutions and businesses praise god there are what we call moral laws certain things you don't do certain things you don't say you have what we call moral etiquette you go to certain places you don't talk anyhow you don't dress anyhow you don't behave anyhow why because there are rules there are laws hallelujah there are some moral laws business laws, community laws, national laws, 
marital laws, praise God, family laws, rules and regulations, and somehow we have some personal integrity where we have a standard. That standard can be a law also in our personal life. We set up a standard, a law that I don't go to certain places, I don't live certain life, I didn't do, I don't do certain things. Praise the name of the Lord. Now, when we talk about God's golden rules, I want to reveal a rule. Take note now, we're getting deeper. I want to reveal a standard. I want to reveal a principle for you this morning or to you this morning that has to do with every area of our lives. Praise God. You may be shocked to know that Jesus in the New Testament came and summarized the Ten Commandments into two. Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your strength, and with all your soul. And he continued by saying, the same is as thou shalt love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, the greatest of all is love. And he summarized everything into loving God and loving your fellow man. Praise the name of the Lord. But it is interesting to know that this commandment of loving your fellow man is hung on the Old Testament principles and standard. God's jurisdiction, God's own command. Hallelujah. In our, in, in our Christian faith today, many believers don't want to hear about anything that they talk about that has to do with the law. As long as the, the, it has to do with the law and it's of the Old Testament, we just, we just discard it. We just cry down. Oh, it's the Old Testament. Oh, don't worry about it. But that is not true. The reason is because Jesus didn't come to abolish the laws of the Old Testament. The Bible says he came to fulfill the laws of the Old Testament. And all the laws that are in the Old Testament, they are also in the New Testament. Hallelujah. And in the New Testament, they are even much more firmed, much more solid, much more stronger than the Old Testament. The only thing that we don't have in the New Testament are those are because the laws are divided into two or maybe three. Praise God. You have ceremonial laws. Praise God. Some of those ceremonial laws are what Jesus came and abolished and those are the things that we don't do now. Most of them we don't do. Praise God. But in as much as we talk about the laws, the law is referred to as the law in the Old Testament. But also in the New Testament, it is the same law that we call God's commandment. Praise God. The law is the same as God's commandment. The law is the same as God's instruction. The law is the same as the word of God. Praise the name of the Lord. Now there is this law. It is one law. And this law governs all the laws that has to do with humanity. This law governs every nation. If we can practice this law, every home will be well. Everything will be fine with every human being. If we can practice this law, every employer will be at peace with his employee. If we can practice this law, every businessman will be okay with his or her business partner. If we can practice this law, every government will be fine and will be okay with her citizens. If we can practice just this law, every church will be okay with his with our leaders and members and workers. If only we can practice this law, every religion will be at peace with other religion. If we can practice this law, every person will be at peace with another person. If only we can practice this law, everyone will live a satisfied life. Everyone will live a peaceable life. Everyone will live a fulfilled life. 
You know, when I was studying this, God opened my eyes to understand that the reason why a lot of people will not find themselves in heaven is as a result of this one law or this one commandment. Praise God. It has nothing to do with, oh, thou shalt not commit adultery. Oh, thou shalt not kill. Oh, thou shalt not steal. Praise God. It is just one. And this one covers all of that. So you don't have to break your head about adultery, fornication, or lying, or stealing, or murder, or any of these things. So if you pay attention to just this law, you will realize that all the other things that you are breaking your head up about is centered on this one law. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I want to reveal this law to you this morning. And I want to break this law down to a level wherein at the end of this message, you look at yourself, it's like you are going to be in a magnifying glass. It's as if you're standing in front of a magnifying glass and you discover that I have been talking about you and I've been talking about myself. Praise the name of the Lord. Let's quickly turn our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 6, verse number 31. Luke, and let's see the law. Let's see this commandment. It is in the New Testament as well as the Old Testament. Luke chapter 6. Hallelujah. Are we there? Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse 31. Hallelujah. It says, I'll read Luke chapter 6 verse 31. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. I must go by it again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. One more time. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Matthew chapter 5. Say Matthew chapter 7. Let's look at chapter 7 first. Matthew chapter 7, verse number 12. Matthew chapter 7. Hallelujah. Verse 12. Praise the Lord. He says, Therefore, all things whatsoever you would that men should do to you. All things whatsoever you would that men should do to you. Take note, whatever you want others to do unto you, do ye even so to them. Do ye even so to them. For this is the law and the prophet. For this is the law and the prophet. You know, while I was preparing this message, and I was asking myself, Lord, what has this got to do with the church? It has everything, every single thing to do with the church. I was asking myself, Lord, what has this got to do with the people out there, our viewers who are watching? He says, it has everything to do with humanity, with everyone. And I was shocked. But then God began to open my eyes to realize certain things that I want to point to you today. That sometimes we look at the word of God, we just brush through, or we look at the word of God, we just glance through and pick up certain things that we think or feel is comfortable or convenient for ourselves. And we don't pay attention to the truth. And what we do is that we cheat ourselves from the truth. 
Praise the Lord. If you go to the book of Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 19, Leviticus chapter 19, I'll be reading 33 to 34, Leviticus 19, very interesting account we're dealing with this morning, 33 to 34, it says, and if a stranger sojourn with thee in your land, ye shall not vex him. If a stranger came to your house, came to your church, a stranger came to your city, your village, your land, the Bible says don't hurt that stranger. Don't vex that stranger. Don't bully that stranger. Don't abuse that stranger, that foreigner. Don't take advantage of them. But the Bible says what? The stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. This is God speaking to his people. The stranger that dwelleth with you shall be unto you as one born among you. And thou shalt love him as thyself. Wow. Thou shalt love him as thyself. For ye were strangers in the land of Egypt. And look at the end. It says, I am the Lord your God. This is an instruction coming from Almighty God to his people Israel. Warning them, telling them, if a stranger comes and they want to live among you, they are living with you, don't hurt them. Don't abuse them. Don't, don't damage them. Don't take advantage of them. Praise God. Don't destroy them. Treat them like your own sons and daughters. Treat them like yourself. Treat them like your brothers and sisters. Treat them like your friend. Treat them like a neighbor. Treat them like a loved one. Praise God. And God is saying that I am the one that is giving this instruction out. And this is what I want you to do. Praise God. Hmm. Now let me say this. Looking at these three verses that we've read. Luke chapter 6 verse 31. Matthew 12, uh, chapter 7 verse 12 and then Leviticus chapter 19, 34 and 33 we discover one thing that God is saying both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and these are the words of Almighty God in the Old Testament these are the words of Almighty God in the New Testament this is not a church doctrinal issue this is not a community opinion this is not a suggestion by your husband or your friend. This is not an idea. This is not uh, something that, well, maybe I'll do it if I feel like or if I don't feel like. No. This is an instruction from the mouth of Yahweh, Adonai, Jehovah, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Praise God. The reason why the world is in a position like this today, the reason why there is so much trouble, the reason why there is so much sickness, the reason why there's so much diseases and shame, the reason why there are, there are wars and rumors of wars, the reason why people are suffering, there's poverty, and people are in destruction, and everything seems to be in disarray is because of the disobedience of this one instruction. This one commandment. Can you imagine if you will desire to do to someone, take note now, not as the desire, but as you will want them to do to you. Can you imagine that? 
Jesus says, you must do to someone that which you want them or that individual to do unto you. Hmm. Very, very important. Do to me whatever you may want me to do to you. And I must do to you that which I want you in return to do to me. Hmm. God help us this morning. A lot of people are going to be broken down this morning as a result of what we're going to hear. A lot of us are going to feel guilty, including myself and everyone else. I know you are so holy and holy personified, you never made a mistake. A lot of us are going to go back and have a retrospect of our lives and look at those who have hurt and those that we ought to have helped and we failed to help. And we looked at ourselves, our position, our condition, and we consider other people. And you must query yourself and say, am I a child of God? Am I obedient to this principle, this command, this instruction of God's word? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. If an employer will be so concerned and be so nice, be so kind, be so loving, be so caring, to care for the employees, trust me, that company will be the best. I remember there's something this recently that I watched. There's this guy in, I think he's in America. I don't, I can't remember the the, the 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 name or whatever the case. But he decided to pay his employees, I think, twice or three times the minimum wage. He's online. I saw it. Yeah, this just came to my mind now. And now he's one of the leading companies in America. The guy decided to pay his employees three times the normal wage. And people were like, oh, you are crazy. Your company is going to collapse. Oh, you're going to fail. Oh, who, who, who on earth will do such nonsense? Oh, you are crazy. But now he's one of the leading companies or businesses in America. I can't remember exactly. But if you go online, I think about two or three months ago. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's just reminding me. About two or three months ago, yes, I, I discovered that. And he's a young man. And he was telling his story. He said, people thought that I was, I was a fool. They thought that my business would collapse. But they don't know and they do not understand the principles I was dealing with. He was not focusing on a biblical principle. He was just looking at it from a human point of view. Or from a humanitarian concern. You know that, no, I can't be a billionaire or a millionaire. Be making more money, right? And living a, a, a lavish life. And my employees are suffering. He decided to pay them three times above the minimum wage. And now his business, he's like exploding like wildfire. May I say this to you? The world would have been a better place if you had treated the next person right. And if the next person would have treated you right, the world would have been a peaceful place. If the white man doesn't want the black man to be angry with the white man, the white man ought to treat the black man right. And if the black man doesn't want to be angry with the, uh, doesn't want the white man to be angry with him, the black man also must treat the white man right. And if we apply this principle, there will be no issue of racism. 
No issue of racism. If the Muslim, the Hindu, the Christian, the Buddhist, the Hare Krishna, or whatever religion, the Baha'i, you name all the religions in the world. If one religion will treat the other religion as they want them to be treated themselves, there will be no fight. There will be no war. There will be no conflict in this world. If a husband will treat his wife the way he wanted the wife to treat him, there will be no trouble, no problem, no confusion. And if the wife will do likewise, the home will be a peaceful home. If the parent will treat their children and the children treat their parents equally the same way they want each other to be treated, trust me, the family will be okay. Hallelujah. If the church will treat their pastor the way they wanted the pastor to treat them and vice versa, the church will be an effective and a glorious and a wonderful place. Praise the name of the Lord. If the world superpowers, the nations of our world, the Americans, the G7 or G20, the European Union, the IMF, the World Bank, if they could treat the other developing nation the way they wanted us to treat them, the world would be a better. And it's, listen, a peaceful, listen, I, I, I felt so bad. If you look at the news recently, all the breaking news that you're seeing out there, they're not good news. Corona will not have happened. I'm telling you. If people have this mindset to treat others, as they may want their others to treat them, Corona would not have happened. You see all this flooding, all this global warming that has been happening. Look at what is happening in BC. Look at what is, is happening in other countries. And this war superpower, some of them don't care. They're talking about global warming. They're talking about all these greenhouse gases and all of that that is happening in our world today. And these superpowers don't care. But whereas you see other countries that are living in the islands or those developing countries, they are having flood, they are having a landslide, people are dying unnecessarily, and they still don't care. But imagine if they were in their shoes, what would have happened? Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. If one person would determine to treat the next person the way they might want that other person to treat them. Trust me, everyone will be serious. Everyone will be conscious. Everyone will be careful. Everyone will be humble. Everyone will be loving. Everyone will be patient. Everyone will be kind. Everyone will be honest. Everyone will be sincere. And listen to this. This principle is not just on a religious base. This principle is not just centered on family. This principle is universal. It is a universal principle. And if the world, if our people, if our government, if our communities, if our churches, the religions, our nations, and if everyone will pay attention to God's principle, trust me, the world will be a better place. The families will be okay. The churches will be okay. The nations will be okay. And these principles, this law, this command is known as the golden rule. The golden rule. Hallelujah. 
You don't have to break your head about integrity if this is in place. You don't have to break your head about trust if this particular principle is in place. You don't have to suspect the next person. No. Do you know that that is what, that's the kind of life we're going to live when we get to heaven? If I know, right, that I don't want you to steal from me, and I know if you steal from me, it's going to hurt me, then I won't steal from you. Are you getting me? If I know, right, that if I gossip about you, right, you're going to get hurt. Your home will be destroyed. Your reputation will be assassinated. If I know that that is wrong and I shouldn't do it, and I don't want anyone else to do it to me, I won't do it to you. It is sad in our world today. People don't think about others. We are self-centered. We are wicked. Wicked personified. The nature of wickedness is so much in us that we don't care about the next person. We don't, I don't care about the way you feel. I don't care about what happened to you. I don't care about the consequences that you go through. I don't care about uh, uh, what you're going to lose. Somebody can use the gun and just pull the trigger and kill others and believe that they will go to court and they will walk away. And it's happening in justice in our system. So why would you think that the next time that there's going to be conflict, the next person is going to pull up a gun and kill other people and believe that the same law that exonerates someone will also exonerate him? Do unto others as you would like or want them to do unto you. Praise God. You see, Wickedness is in the highest level of our time. Why? Because we've lost our conscience. There's no more love. Genuine love. No, there's no longer genuine love anymore. People do things because of their selfish desires. People do things because of greed. People do things out of, out of covetousness, wickedness, hatred, and jealousy, bitterness. Imagine you destroying someone else's family. And you say you don't care. And then, what you fail to realize is that the Bible says, whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. What comes around goes around. Imagine you destroy someone else's business. You are going into contract with a person and you know very well that the contract is fake. You are trying to rip that person off of his labor or her labor. All that they've labored for over the years. As lazy and idle and as wicked as you are, you just want to rip them overnight and take everything. You don't, you don't care. You don't just care. And you go ahead and do it. And you think that God will be happy with you. It's not possible. Let me say this before I proceed. And if I'm going to say any other thing in this message, that you are going to miss. Don't miss this one. 99% of the reason why people go to hell, take note now, is not because of the sin that they commit directly against God. It is because of the sin that they commit against their fellow men, which is an indirect sin against God. I must say that again. 99% of the reason why people end up in hell is not because of the sin that they commit directly against God but that indirect sin that they committed against their fellow men why is that so because God has the choice to forgive you and let you go 
He can decide, well, whatever you've done, I let you go. But most times you don't live with God. Most of the time you live with your fellow men. And 99% of the sins that you have committed is against someone. Not directly against God. And the Bible clearly says, if you do not forgive, the Lord God Almighty will not forgive you either. And I will get to that shortly. But I want to take you through some scriptures. I want to take you through a little bit of marathon. I want you to see men of God. People who genuinely, sincerely serve God. And I want you to see people also who are not servants of God. We're going to look on every side this morning. But we we're going to look at humanity in general. We're going to look at people who once lived this life. Right? God showed them grace. God showed them love. God showed them mercy. God helped them. And they failed to help others. They failed to show love to others. They failed to show mercy to others. They failed to do unto others as they will want them to do unto themselves. Let's start off from the Old Testament. Let's start off with a man. Let's take it systemically so that we don't miss out. Let's look, look at um, the man by the name of Jacob. I'm teaching this morning. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 33. Genesis chapter 33. We're going to look at Jacob. Mm. Hallelujah. Please follow me. At the end of this message, you're going to be blessed. Genesis 33. Are we there? Now, let me say something a little bit <laughs> about this guy. Now, when we looked at the covenant of God to mankind, this covenant was between God and Abraham. In fact, it wasn't Abraham who made covenant with God. It was God who decided to make covenant with mankind and he chose to do that covenant with Abraham. Praise the Lord. Now, God decided to make that covenant with Abraham. Take note. And Abraham walked perfectly before God. The Bible says, God showed up to Abraham one day and says, Abraham, walk before me and be perfect. He says, I'm the Lord your God. And Abraham did so. Despite some of, some of his shortcomings in his life, yet he walked perfectly before God. After Abraham, we saw that Isaac, right from his very young age, was willing to be laid on the altar and being sacrificed. And we also realized that the life of Isaac throughout was a life of commitment, was a life of consecration. There are certain faults in the life of Isaac, but not as much as when we talk about Jacob. Jacob was the worst. In fact, when you looked at the lifestyle of Jacob, from the beginning of his birth, you discovered there was a problem. And throughout the lifestyle of Jacob, you realize that Jacob had no personal commitment, no personal consecration with God. His relationship with God was very shallow. Study your Bible very well, you discover that. The relationship between Jacob and God was very shallow. It got to the point that God had to continue to chase Jacob. God was the one chasing Jacob. Why? Because his covenant was upon Jacob. The covenant of Israel. The covenant of mankind. The covenant of salvation. 
the covenant of eternity, the covenant of human destiny. Everything was tied from Abraham to Isaac unto Jacob. But this Jacob was not committed to God. This Jacob had no, he had no, no firm, solid, personal, intimate relationship with God. So most times God will have to encounter him. God will have to show up. God will have to chase him. Now take note, I'm describing Jacob for you. Now we got to the point, look at his, the, 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 the initial aspect of his birth. The Bible says that he held the heel of his brother and when they came out, he cheated his brother. And then he got to the point where it was the time of his birthright. Uh, Esau's birthright. The Bible says that he decided, the brother came to him said he was hungry. Instead of giving food to the brother, he decided to request for the birthright of his brother and he sold um, the brother sold out his birthright to him and he decided, take note now, to give his brother a plate of pottage. Imagine a plate of pottage compared to his birthright. He knew exactly what he was doing. He was not a fool. Not only that, it was this very same Jacob. He had an issue with his uncle. The Bible says he was living with Laban after he ran away because of the, the problem between him and his brother Esau. Cheated his brother. Now he went to his uncle. He was living with Uncle Laban and there was a problem. He wanted one of the daughters. And instead of, instead of, instead of um, 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 believing and waiting on the Lord, the Bible says he decided to go after one of the daughters. Praise God. But then the father-in-law was very smart. Very, very smart. He also decided to give Leah, I mean Rachel, to him instead of Leah. Why? Because Rachel was the eldest daughter. Now take note of this very deep and very serious. I'm painting this picture for you because I, I'm taking you somewhere. Please, follow me. This very man, Jacob, that night that the father gave Rachel to him, he knew that he was sleeping with Rachel. He knew that that was not the, 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 the voice of Leah. He knew that that was not the height of Leah. Even the body odor of Rachel was different from that of Leah. But yet, even though he knew that the father-in-law had given him Rachel, he didn't shout and say, hey, no, I, I labored for, for Leah. Why do you give me Rachel? You know what he did? He slept with Rachel that night. You see that? He knew very well that Rachel was the eldest daughter and Rachel was not what he wanted, but he decided to sleep with her. And then in the morning, he woke up and said, hey, 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 something has gone wrong somehow, somewhere. My father-in-law, you cheated me. I labored for Leah and you gave me Rachel. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> it's like a thief that is caught up with another thief. A cook that has cut off with another cook. And then I believe uh, Laban was like, this guy, you think I'm a fool? How would you sleep with a woman unknowingly who the woman is? The voice alone can tell you that this is Rachel. The height, the, the, the shape, the face is different from that of Leah. And you went to bed with her. Okay, now that you've done this, you must labor for another seven years before you can get Leah. And Jacob decided to spend, take note now, another seven years. Altogether, I think he spent about 20 years. 20 years of his life with Uncle Laban. 
praise God. And Uncle Laban cheated him for 20 years. In fact, Uncle Laban at one time testified. He said, Jacob, he says, the Lord has blessed me ever since you came to me, ever since you've been around me, ever since you've been with me. Why? Because he carried the covenant of God. He carried the covenant of Israel. He carried the covenant of humanity. He carried the covenant of eternity. He carried the covenant of, of human destiny upon his life. But personally, he himself, he was not ready for that. So the blessing was there. The favor was there. Prosperity was there. And everything was there. But the man himself, he himself, was not there for God. Now let me drag you to where I'm going now. Eventually at the end of which, the Bible says there was this battle between him and his brother and they've separated for years. Mm. Now take note. This man tried to make peace between himself and his brother. After he has hurt his brother, they separated for years. The Bible now says in Genesis chapter 33, let's go there and let's read. Hallelujah. Look at what happened. Let's say from verse 8 down to verse 15. 33 verse 8 to 15. And Esau said, I have enjoyed my brother. Keep that thou hast to thyself. Praise God. Verse 10. And Jacob said, look at it. Esau said, he has enjoyed and he has enough. So whatever you have, keep to yourself. I have enough and I've enjoyed my life. So don't bother. I have whatever it takes. And Jacob said, nay, I pray thee. If now I, look at Jacob speaking. Nay, I pray thee, if now I have found grace in thy sight. Listen and listen well. If now I have found grace in thy sight, then receive my present at my hand. For therefore I have seen thy face, and though I had see, as though I had seen the face of God. And thou, take note, what does it say? And thou was pleased with me. Thou was pleased with me. Take, I pray thee, and um, take, I pray thee, my blessings that is brought to thee. Because, take note again, because God had dealt graciously with me. That is Jacob still speaking. And because I have enough, and he urged him, and he took it. Praise God. Verse 12, and he said, let us take our journey, and let us go. And I will go before thee. Mm. The world is fearful. The world is fearful. And human beings are scary. Now look at Jacob confronting or facing Esau, his brother, that he had seen the case and they've been like enemies for years. He showed up. He asked for mercy. He asked for reconciliation. He even brought gift to his brother. His brother accepted the gift. His brother Esau forgave him. His brother Esau let go of the past. His brother Esau reconciled with him. His brother Esau showed mercy to him. Did you hear what I said? The brother that he hurt showed mercy. The brother that he hurt forgave him. The brother that he hurt decided to love him. The brother that he hurt decided to accept his gift. But not too far from this, many years after, look at what happened in Genesis chapter 49. Hmm. 
this very same man. Look at what happened. Hmm. Genesis 49. The Bible says he was about to die. Jacob called all his sons, all his children, set them up together. Hmm. I'm taking you somewhere. That's why I'm very careful. Verse 1, Genesis 49, verse 1. And Jacob called his son, he called unto his sons and said, Gather yourself together that I may tell you that which shall befall you in the last days. Hmm. Gather yourself together and hear ye sons of Jacob and hearken unto Israel, your father. And he started with the eldest son. Look at what he said to the eldest son. Reuben, verse 3. Thou art my firstborn, the eldest. My might, good. And the beginning of my strength, fine. The excellency of dignity, wow. And the excellency of power. Verse 4 says, unstable as water. Look at it. Thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up unto thy father's bed, then defileth thou it. He went up to my couch. Praise God. Simeon and Levi, our brethren, instrument of cruelty, are in their habitation. O oh my soul, hmm. come not thou into their secret unto their assembly mine honor be not thou united for in their anger they slew a man and in their self will they dig down a wall praise God look at what he says verse 7 cause be their anger for it was fierce and their wrath for it was cruel I will divide them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel now look up and look at me what do you discover here? In the Old Testament, the scripture clearly says you must do unto others as you may want them to do unto you. In the New Testament, the same thing Jesus reiterated the Old Testament instruction, do unto them just as you want them to do unto you. Look at Jacob who sinned against Esau. He, in fact, he took his destiny away from him. Look at Jacob who slept with two sisters. Look at Jacob who had been running around. He ended up being a mess. Look at what happened. He goes to his brother. He reconciled. He asked for forgiveness. His brother forgave him and they reconciled. Lo and behold, over the years, Jacob had some unforgiving issues, some bitterness, some grudge, some things within himself against his own children. Can you imagine this? Against his own children, his own sons. He never said a word for years. Not only the time he was dying. At the end, instead of Jacob forgiving his own seeds, he cursed them. Did you hear what I just said? Instead of Jacob, forgive his sons just as God forgave him, just as Esau forgave him, just as all that he has done, as, as Rachel forgave him. Instead, 
he cursed his own seeds. He's, how can you, how dare you, curse your own seeds, your own lineage, your own children? Now brace yourself. Because this has been our problem. You want God to forgive you. You want God to help you. You want God to heal you. You want God to love you. You want God to prosper you. You want God to help you. You want God to protect you. You want God to fight your battle. But you don't forgive. You don't love. You don't help others with their own battle. You don't provide for others. Instead, you are standing against others. And then you are believing God to show you love and show you mercy. I read one time in the New Testament, Jesus said, he said, if you don't care about that which concerneth or pertaineth to another man's, who will give you yours? Every time I think about that scripture, it brings some form of caution into my heart. Be very careful the way you treat other people. Jacob was forgiven. And yet, at the end of his life, he chose to curse his children and not forgive them. Many men of God are like this. Many wives are like this. Many husbands are like this. Many church members are like this. Many managers are like this. Many government leaders are like this. Even in politics, you see somebody will go into power today and then they will grab others. Opposition leaders lock them up for years. Whereas when they were in opposition, nobody locked them up. Or when they were in opposition, they made certain mistakes. But then at the end, the government decided to play it low and they said, you know, for peace sake. But they would imprison other people. When you were just an ordinary employee, your employer at that particular time was very nice to you, very kind to you. You came to work late and they appear with you. You know, you did something wrong, you spoiled a machine, you damaged an instrument. They said, okay, we understand. You're just learning. Oh, we're okay, we're okay, we cannot do that. Don't worry. The company will take care of that. But soon as they promoted you as a supervisor, as a manager, now you begin to trample on that people. You begin to step on them. Every single mistake, you suspend them. Every single mistake, ah, you punish them. Or you fire them. You say, get out of here. Don't spoil my job. Don't think you are, you are so controlling. You forget yesterday. You totally forgot about where God brought you from. You totally forgot as to how God helped you. You are who you are because of the grace, the mercy, and the love of God. Treat other people the way you want them to treat you in return. If you don't treat them right, you know, I was reading the Old Testament. Certain things that are happening in the Old Testament are strange, but it also follows through the New Testament. The sin of your fathers will follow after you. If they didn't catch up with you, don't worry. It will catch up with your children. You think, oh, I, I did it and I, 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 I go scot-free. You know, you are not free. Your children, the Bible says, the, the, the children will pay for the iniquity of the fathers from the third unto the fourth generation. So Jacob chose not to forgive. And he destroyed his own children, his own sin. Not only Jacob. Let's look at another person 
Praise God. And this is one popular person that you know. Hallelujah. And he is no other person but David. David was another example. First Samuel. First Samuel chapter 18. God opened my eyes and this I was almost like breaking down. I'm like, God. God, what are you saying? Look at first Samuel chapter 18. Hmm. Hallelujah. I hope I'm blessing you this morning. First Samuel chapter 18, 21 to 30. Let's read that quickly. Or just read 21 down to 26 because of time. And Saul said, I will give him. Okay, let's take it from 20 so you can get it. And Michal, Saul's daughter, loved David, right? And they told Saul that the thing pleased him. And Saul said, I will give her, give him her, that she may be a snare to him, and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Wherefore Saul said unto David, Thou shalt this day be my son-in-law in the one of the twain. Praise God. Verse 22. He says, And Saul commanded his servant, saying, Commune with David. Take note secretly. You see that there? Commune with David secretly. And say, Behold, the king had delight in thee. Praise God. And all his servants loved thee. Now therefore, be the king's son-in-law. It's a trap. Huh. It's a trap, but it's going to backfire. Verse 23. And Saul's servant spake those words in the ears of David. And David said, Cement it to you a light thing to be a king's son-in-law. The guy is very wise. Seeing that I am a poor man and lightly esteemed. Look at this man at this time. At this time, David acknowledged that he was a what? A poor man, number one. Number two, lightly esteemed. This was at the initial stage of him becoming a leader. Praise God. He was already anointed, but at this particular time, he didn't get to the throne to lead as yet. Verse 24, and the servant of Saul told him, saying, Oh, this man spake David. He told him, Oh, this man spake David, and said, and Saul said, Thus, take note, this is getting better. Thus shall ye say to David, The king desireth not any dowry. Wow. Wow. Look at the trap. The king desireth not any dowry, but an hundred foreskin of the Philistines, and be avenged of the king's enemies. But Saul thought, take note, look, 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 look. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. You see that? And when his servant told David these words, it pleased David well to be the king, son-in-law. And the days were not expired. Wherefore David arose and went, and he and his men, hmm, and slew the Philistines, 200 men. Wow. 200 men, and David brought their foreskin, and they gave them, wow, in full table of the king, that the might that he might be the king's son-in-law. And Saul gave him Michal, his daughter, to wife. Praise God. Praise God. Verse 28. And Saul saw and knew that the Lord was with David, and that Michal, and Michal's Saul's daughter, loved him. Now let me explain and paraphrase a little bit and then we go further. 
We've seen Jacob. Now look at David. David, at this particular time, a young man, just about to get into the throne. The leader that was there, Saul, was contending with him. They want him to inherit the throne. And there was this enmity and fight and division in the nation and all of that. And then the daughter of Saul was in love with David. David was also in love with her. And then Saul actually wanted to kill David. So he set a trap, sent the men and said, go tell David, oh, that I, I can't wait for him to be my father-in-law. Oh, how much I love him. I cherish him so much. And they kept saying that thing over and over and over. It got into the ears and the mind of David and he pleased him. And then the Bible says, Saul sent message again the second time. Go and tell him, I don't need any dowry. He doesn't need to break his head. He doesn't need to bother himself. He don't have to struggle. Don't worry about dowry. All that I want him to do is to go to the Philistines, kill 300 of them, and brought, bring, bring their first king. What? Saul, so, what are you asking for? To go to the enemy's camp, get their first king, kill them and bring the, this is deadly this is dangerous and worst of it the philistines were the the, the the worst of the enemies of against the children of israel at that particular time they were the worst they were they were the bone of contention you remember goliath was a philistine that david already killed and now look at saul he's sending david back to them already they have that in their mind what was the plan the Bible says he said that David might fall by the hand of the Philistine. He's planned. Look at this. He planned and he plotted to kill David. Please watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Watch me. Saul plotted to kill David. Take note. Saul sent David into the battlefield to die. I'm going to say it again. Saul plotted to kill David. Saul sent David into the battlefield to die. One more time. Saul plotted to kill David. Saul sent David into the battlefield to die. God delivered David. He went in there, killed the Philistines, 200 of them, brought their foreskin, which was difficult to do. A very challenging responsibility. A risky job. But God showed mercy to David. God went with David. God helped David. God protected David. God delivered David. God empowered David. David came out and David succeeded. Killed those innocent people and brought the skins of those people to Saul and he got the wife that he wanted. But the sad part of it is that few years down the road, few years down the road, after he had become king, one day David was out there. He was supposed to go to war. A man by the name of Uriah was fighting on behalf of David. A man by the name of Uriah was fighting on behalf of the Ark of the Covenant. A man by the name of Uriah was fighting to defend the glory and the honor and the majesty of Almighty God. A man by the name of Uriah was saying, you cannot touch Israel, you cannot touch King David. A man by the name of Uriah was protecting the sovereignty and the, the integrity of King David. David got up his house. He was supposed to be in the battlefield with Uriah. And he saw Uriah's wife, Beersheba, taking her shower. Beautiful, fierce skin. Woman was naked. 
he peeped and oh wow the Bible says he sent for the woman the woman came praise God the woman came to David David slept with the woman and in 2nd Samuel chapter 11 chapter 12 it's a long account I'll summarize it 2nd Samuel chapter 11 chapter 12 this man David that God protected in 1st Samuel chapter 18 this man that God defended this man that God helped this man that God delivered in return instead of doing the same thing to protect a man in fact he did the, the same thing against a man by the name of Uriah he did the same thing you know what David did after he slept with Uriah's wife the lady got pregnant he sent for the man asked the man to go sleep with the woman his wife he said no the man was faithful committed loyal humble godly the other day he caused the man to eat and drink he was drunk the man slept on the door of his house he slept out there at the door he refused to go to the house to sleep with his wife and david said there's nothing else i can do but kill this guy now imagine when god connects these two things i'm like god i've never seen it this way but god why and god said that is why i gave you that verse do unto others as you would that they will do unto you. David that was protected by God. Look at him. Killing someone. David that delivered though I was delivered by God. Look at him. Pushing someone. Look at him. The same way Saul sent him into his gallows, And God says, no, I will not allow this. If David had thought back to say, ah, I remember how God delivered me. I remember how God helped me. I remember how God gave me victory over the Philistines. I remember how God gave me victory over Saul who wanted to kill me. I remember how God, God helped me. I won't do this to this man. He totally forgot about that. He wrote the letter with his own hands. Sent the man in the battlefield to Joab. Uriah went to Joab. And Joab read the letter. The man did not even open the letter because in those days you cannot do it. When the king gives you a letter, there's a seal that covers it. If you open it, you die. They will kill you. The man did not know that he was carrying his own death sentence into his own gallows. Joab looked at the letter. Very loyal man. He read the letter. Ah, okay. Uriah say yes, my lord. Let's go to the battlefield. Go to the hottest part of the battlefield. Go to the forefront. The man Uriah died in the hands of David. Imagine if what Saul plotted for David, if David had died in that battle, you would have asked God, God, why would you allow this to happen? I'm sure. But look at this now. He sent a man. God did not allow him to die. But he sent a man into the battle and the man Look at this, beloved. Uriah, who ought to have died protecting David, died in the hands of David. Uriah, who ought to have 
died, right? Defending God's people, he died in the hands of God's servant. Friendly fire. Betrayal! Just as Saul betrayed him, he didn't remember how God helped him. He went ahead, betrayed another man, fighting for his be on his behalf, fighting for his, his sovereignty and his integrity. He killed the man. After the man died, <laughs> even though David is still a man of God, his entire household, his family, everything was turned upside down. The first son, Absalom, not only that, the other one also. There was there was there was incest in the family. Brother raping sister, brother killing brother, brother coming after. There was incest, there was murder, their, their leadership, the, the family of David was completely rattled down. God shattered everything. He said, David, if I could judge Saul, I will also judge you. You see, both in the church and outside of the church, we experience friendly fire. And what we see in our world today is judgment everywhere. Why? Because we refuse. We fail to do unto others as we would want them to do unto us. Praise the Lord. I hope I'm blessing you this morning. So David killed a man after God has protected him from being killed. Let me draw your attention to another person. Or another set of people. In the book of Second Kings, Second hmm. Kings, chapter six, verse twenty-six to thirty. Second Kings, chapter six. Second hmm. Kings, chapter six. Are we there? Verse twenty-six to thirty. I'll read. And as the king of Israel was passing by upon the wall. There cried a woman unto him, saying, Help, my Lord! Help, my Lord! Help, O king! And look at the response of the king. And he said, If the Lord do not help thee, when shall I help thee? Out of the what? The bomb floor or out of the wine press? There's nothing. But what the king did not understand that there was a deeper problem than this. And the king said unto her, What ailed thee? What's going on? What do you want me to do? And she answered, this woman, her friend now, this woman said unto me, give thy son that we may eat him today and we will eat my son tomorrow. <laughs> this was in the midst of the famine. Praise God. This was in the midst of this, this deadly famine that was going on in the land. There was no food. So the women they bargain to eat their children. So the first ones said, let's eat your own child today and then tomorrow we will eat mine. Praise God. 29. And we boil. This is very, very graphic. But it's in your Bible. Look at what they did. And we boiled my son and did eat him. Can you imagine how severe this drought, this famine was so severe. This hunger was so terrible to the extent that in fact the last thing a woman would want to do is to kill her own child, see her child and eat that child. No. It's very, very rare. But this happened. This is not something that somebody was just giving a story. No, it's, it's, 
It's real. It happened. So we bore my son and did eat him. And I said unto her the next day, Give thy son that we may eat him. Praise God. And she had hid her son. You see what happened? In the midst of the famine, they came to agreement. They said, let's eat the children before we die. We'll try with your own first. They boil the child. Chop, 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 chop. Kill. They finish. Good meat. The next day, the other lady said, it's your turn. Where's your own son? Bring your baby. We ate mine yesterday. Let's eat yours today. Wow. The lady went and hid her own child. <laughs> and the woman says, King, oh, King, King, there is trouble in the land that is even worse than the famine. We ate my son yesterday. Today she refused. <laughs> do unto others as you will want them do unto you. <laughs> hey, King, help! Help! The King says, If the Lord didn't help, come on, how can I help you? What's the matter? That was when he came to his notice. And the woman explained what happened. He was traumatized. Really? You ate a, a, a child yesterday? Really? And so today you want, ah, ooh. Imagine this. Why would you eat someone else's child if you know very well you're not going to give your own? Why? I must ask you again. Why would you eat someone else's son if you know you're not going to give your own? I must ask you again. Why would you eat someone else's child if you know you're not going to give your own? Why? Do unto others as you would that they will do unto you. Why would you take someone else's money, their hard labor, and you know you wouldn't want them to take your own. As a professor, as a lecturer, as a teacher, why would you be raping the girls in school and, 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 giving, them, and giving them 25%, 30%, and you tell them to come see you in the office so that you will sleep with them for them to get the grade that they wanted. And you know even those who pass, you fail them. Why? Because you want to go through their skirt. But then your own daughter, when she goes to uh, university, you say, hey, hey, don't talk to no professor. Hey, don't talk to no man. Hey, who, who is this? Who is that? Anybody knocks at your door, you look as if you are a beast. You are angry. Don't talk to those men. Don't talk to... And you are sleeping or messing around and raping other girls, but yet you are hiding your own daughter. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Doctors, imagine somebody is dying. You have what it takes to help them with or without money. You can help them. And you choose to walk away. No help. Someone dies. Imagine if that person was the doctor and you were sick in the midst of dying. What would you have wanted them to do for you? Imagine the guy you fired from that job. He just bought a house. He just got married. He's about to start life afresh. He said, I don't care. Get out. You're fired. For what? Unnecessary thing that is not, it's not even relevant for you to punish or suspend him, but you fired him. You want to show yourself bossy. 
Imagine if they fired you like that in that same condition. Imagine you sleeping with your friend's husband or your friend's wife. Imagine if they are sleeping with your own husband or with your own wife. How would you feel? Imagine you going online and you are cursing. You are, you are, you are, you are backbiting. You are gossiping about another family. You shatter that family. You destroy the marriage. You destroy their reputation. You destroy their health. You destroy their career. And then you want your own family to bluesome and to go on where. What comes around goes around. Whatever a man sweat, that shall he also be. The woman cried, help king, help. What's the matter? We just ate my son. They promised me that we can eat our own son today. The woman eyed the child. Said, no way, you cannot eat mine. That is not only cannibalism, but witchcraft. Witchcraft. If you believe that your race is superior, listen, is only a fool, and permit me to say this, an idiot that will be a racist. I must say it again. It's only a fool or an idiot. Every time you see a racist, no, he's an idiot. He's a fool. He's the only fool that I know in the Bible. Why? How can you define someone based on their color or their appearance? There are people who are highly educated than you, but you just discriminate against them because of their color. You're a fool. You're an idiot. Did I say that? Yes, and I will say it again. If you're a racist, you're an idiot and you're a fool. Pastor is cursing. No. You are even worse than that. The Bible says something in the book of, uh, I think it's James, that those that doesn't accept chastisement, they are bastards. So you might be a bastard too. If you're a racist. Did I say that? Yes. Count me on it. You discriminate against someone because of his or her race. You make sure they don't have the, 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 the loan that they applied for. You make sure they don't get the land that they wanted. You make sure they don't sign the contract for the business. You make sure they don't employ them. You make sure they lock them up. You make sure they, they are always being marginalized. They are embarrassed. They are being killed unnecessary. They are being maltreated and frustrated. And yet at the same time, you think you can cross your leg yeah, with your popcorn, with your big belly. Relax until you can enjoy your family. No wonder your own children are dying of cancer. No wonder your own children, they, they, they have uh, insomnia. No wonder your own children, they look like riffraff. You are a drug dealer. You are selling the drugs here and there, manufacturing it. You are the one that is responsible. You think you are making money. But you are destroying the life of others. Imagine if they are destroying the life of your own children like that. What would you do? Do unto others as you want that they would do unto you. The woman ends up killing her own son for a foolish friend who hid her own son. Praise God. There's another account in the book of 1 Kings, chapter 3, verse 16 to 28. 1 Kings, chapter 3, verse 16 to 28. The Bible said there were these two prostitutes, praise God. And so what happened between these two prostitutes was that they slept. And the other one, the, the, one of them overslept and she overlaid on the child. She rolled over the child and she, she slept on the child and suffocated the child. And the child died. 
Imagine the child died. She woke up in the morning, realized that the child is dead, switched the baby over to this other woman that was deeply sleeping and took the other woman's baby. And so, when the other woman woke up, and said, ah, what happened? Said, ah, oh, your baby is dead. Hey, 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 hey. And the woman said, wait, wait, wait a minute, let me check. Now, this doesn't look like my baby. Smell the baby. Mm -mm, that's not my baby's smell. No, no, that's not the way my baby smells. Look at the jaw. Look at it. No, 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 no. This, let me see your baby. Sis, can I see your child? Sis, no, don't worry, you cannot see my child. You can't, don't worry, your baby is dead. Forget about my own. Sis, no, 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 I must see your baby. This look like your baby. And they call King Solomon. And they realize that, wow. The woman said, that's my baby. This is your baby. You exchange the babies. Say no, 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 no. They went to King Solomon. Go before the king. The man says, ah, okay, give me a sword. Bring the child. And King Solomon opened the leg of the child, turned the child this way and raised up his sword. And said, what do you want me to do with this baby? The woman said, kill the baby. Kill the baby. Kill the baby. Just rise the baby. In other words, she's saying we must have it 50-50. My children die, or my son, my child die. Y'all should die too. And the woman that actually knows that that's her baby, she said, King, give her the baby. Give her. Give her the baby. And Solomon turned and looked at the woman and said, That's your baby. You can have your baby. Many times, many times, many times. You've done wickedly to other people, deliberately. You are hurting them because you are the boss. You are hurting them because you are the pastor. You are hurting them because you are the manager. You are hurting them because you are the government minister. You are hurting them because you are the, 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 the leader in that office. You are hurting them because you have a position and you use your position to intimidate, to bully, to hurt, to abuse, and to, to, to damage other people. Well, I'm saying the same thing that Solomon said. Whose baby is this? And then you are shouting, kill the baby, kill the baby, kill the baby. Ah, yeah, yeah. That's what you've been shouting. I don't care when government, we can kill whoever we want to. We can deal with whoever we want to. Oh, we can, we can do this, we can do that. I don't care, I'm the doctor. I can say whatever I want to say. I can say whatever people I want to. I'm the doctor, I'm the scientist. I have the final say. You people don't have no idea what is going on. You don't know what is happening. You, don't. you see, even with this corona issue, everything is left to the doctors. They're not asking pastors anything. They're not asking the economists anything. They're not asking other people. Everything is a science, science, science. People have come up with different ideas different ways and means to get this corona dealt with, they crush it down. All that they focus on is vaccine, vaccine. And now, the concern is much more on the vaccine, more than the corona. Why? I ask the question. It's a question I'm asking. Why is it that people are paying attention to the vaccine more than the corona? And of which the vaccine cannot even cure the corona and the vaccine cannot protect anyone from corona. Does it make any sense? It's a question that I'm asking. And you know very well that what you are doing is wrong. That baby is not yours. Some people take pleasure in the death of others. 
Some people take pleasure in the pain of others. Some people take pleasure in the suffering of others. Some people take pleasure in the poverty of others. Some people take pleasure in the disgrace of others. Some people take pleasure in the shame of others. Some people take pleasure in the disappointment. When others are sick, they feel happy. They say, ah, you're a wicked brother. You're a wicked sister if you're such a person. I hope I'm making sense to you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 18. I know some people might not like me this morning. But no problem. If you don't love me, I love you still. If you hate me, I still love you. If you don't want to forgive me for anything, I forgive you. <laughs> Matthew chapter 18, 21 down to 35. Now take note of this. Matthew 18, 21. It says, Then came Peter to Jesus, came Peter to him, sorry, and said, that is to Jesus, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Look at this question. Very interesting. How often? Till seven times. That is his suggestion. His suggestion is seven times. Verse 22. Jesus said unto him, I say unto you, until seven times, no, sorry, I say unto you, until seven times, but, sorry, 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 I made a mistake. Jesus said unto him, I say not, I say no, not, I say, I say not unto you, until seven times. Peter suggested seven times. Jesus said, no, that is not what I said. I didn't say seven times. But, until seventy times seven. Ah! In other words, Jesus is saying, continue to forgive throughout. 70 times 7. That is 490 times. Can you forgive me 490 times a day? In one day. Can you forgive me for 490 times? What's wrong with you? In other words, Jesus was saying, Peter, don't tell me 70 times. I didn't say 70. I said 70. Look at it there. Times 7. So which means that if, if, not now, he is a band If truly everyone is honest to this scripture, there ought not to be any divorce. Do you know that? If anyone should adhere to this scripture, no one is supposed to go to prison. If anyone could keep this scripture, no one is supposed to commit a crime either. If everyone should keep this scripture, nobody will be hurt, except naturally. Nobody have a complaint. Everybody will be, be at peace with others upon the face of the earth. So when I see, I see, I see somebody from Australia or I see somebody from Europe and, and, and I don't know them from Adam, the first thing that comes to my mind is I should treat them as I will want them to treat me. 50, 50, 23. Therefore, take note now, Jesus is saying now, he didn't stop there. It's like he opened a reservoir for Jesus. And keep, Jesus keep running everything into him right there. He said, therefore, he said, is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, take note now, which would take account of his servant. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and his children take note of this now and all that he had and payment to be made the servant therefore fell down and worshiped him praise god he's talking about god here 
as the master because you see worship is there and worship him saying look at it he says lord have patience with me and i will pay thee all then the lord of that servant was moved with what compassion you see that there compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt you see that verse 28 but the same the same the same servant that was forgiven the same servant that the children were spared, the wife was spared, I was spared, and all the belongings were spared from being sold out. Bible said the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. Hundred pence. You owe thousand talent, and now somebody owe you hundred pence and took him by the throat. You, you get to my body. You don't give my money. I'll kill you today. You don't give me my I'll give it to you. You don't give me my I'll shoot your head. You don't give my money. I'll burn your house. You don't give my I'll kill you today. I'll give my But they just forgive you. He squeezed the guy to the throat, saying, Pay me thou hoist. Pay me that thou hoist. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet. Take note. And besought him, saying, Have patience with me. And I will pay thee all. He will not, the Bible says in verse 30. And he will not, but went and cast him into prison. Can you imagine this? He went and cast the guy into prison till he should pay the debt. So when the servant, when his fellow servant saw that was done, they were very sorry and, be, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Hmm. Then the Lord, after that he had called himself unto him, Oh, thou wicked servant. You see the description? Wicked servant. I forgave thee all that debt. Praise God. Because thou desired me. Praise God. Verse 33. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion? He had compassion on him. Why would you have compassion also on your fellow servant? Even as I had pity on thee. Verse 34. And his Lord was rough and delivered him to the tormentor, take note of this, till he should pay all that he was due unto him. Praise God. Now, look at 35. Look at 35. This is from Jesus. I'm not going to paraphrase this. I'm not going to use any assumption. I'm not going to try to make this nice. But look at this, and this is what is very important in this account so likewise shall my heavenly father you see that do also unto you if ye from your heart from your heart from your heart forgive not everyone 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 his brother his sister his neighbor his friends their trespasses. Woo! <laughs> now listen, and listen well. One of the most painful aspects of the gospel or the most difficult doctrine to preach is this one, forgiveness. You see, I know you are too perfect. You came from a perfect family. You live a perfect life. So nobody ever hurt you. So you don't know what forgiveness is all about. <laughs> Wait until someone hurts you and it goes into your soul. Maybe destroy your reputation, destroy your, your health, destroy certain things and you know that you're going to live forever with that. And then you come and say, forgive. 
Forgiveness is never funny. It's not easy. It's the most painful aspect of our Christian life. But God wants us to forgive. Did I say that? Yes. You know why I come down now? Because I want to talk to you. So, but pastor, this guy that you are telling me to forgive killed my husband, the breadwinner of my family, my only hope. You say, pastor, you don't know what they did to me, these two guys. My parents were not around. They raped me in the bush at the back of my hand. Pastor, I was building my business. I invested all my labor throughout my life. And this guy stole my money and ran away. Oh, pastor, he pregnated my wife. And he was my best friend. Oh, pastor, she was sleeping with my husband. And eventually my husband kicked me out of the home. Oh, pastor, you don't know that this stupid guy, he gave me HIV or venereal disease. Oh, pastor, you are saying your own. This guy stabbed my mother in front of my face. Stabbed my mother to death. So, Pastor, you're saying you're weak. Can't you see? Can't you see? Look at my life. Look, I'm, I'm already dying. I'm already dying. He gave me poison. They put the poison in my drink. He's supposed to be my husband. He, he poisoned me for another woman. Pastor, you telling me to forgive this idiot standing in front of me. Yes, forgive that idiot standing in front of me. He said, Pastor, I can't deal with this. I can't deal with this. I cannot forgive my dad, my own father. I don't want to see him. This war, unto eternity. He's not my father. I don't want to know him. Don't mention his name. Don't let him come by me. I will kill somebody. Pastor, no! You're shouting, Pastor, no. Pastor, no. Pastor, no. God wants you to forgive. You are not in my shoes. You are not in my shoes. These useless boys. I used to drive around. I would give them money. I would give them food. The other day, they came knocking at my door in the night. And they raped all my children, my wife, in front of me. And they put the bullet to my head. But for the masses of God. And you tell me to forgive them? You say, this doctor, this one, medical my practice. He gave the wrong medication to my daughter and she died. He knew what he was doing because we are not in the same political party. So he killed my daughter to get back at me. And you telling me, Pastor, that I should forgive this one, this doctor, this one. How about this police officer? He shot my son deliberately. He killed him. Why? Because he says he has immunity. He won't go to jail. And look at him, he's walking in the city of New Jersey. He's walking around in New York or in Chicago, California. He's having fun. Why? There's no justice. You say I should forgive? Yes. Listen. The most difficult subject to preach in the body of Christ, in the church, in the kingdom of heaven, is the most difficult thing that Jesus himself came and did. He came, he died, and he forgave us our sins. Now, can you in return also 
forgive someone else. Can you? Can you forgive? You see, unforgiveness has destroyed many things. Unforgiveness has initiated many battles and caused many enemies. Jesus in St. John chapter 13, 34 and 35 said something. A new commandment he had given unto us that we must love one another. The Bible talks about love. Love beareth all things, endureth all things, hopeth all things. Love is kind, doesn't keep any record of wrong. It's not easily provoked. Hallelujah. The Bible says, if we have gifts like angels and speak with all manner of tongues and without love, we are like a sounding timber. In Romans chapter 13, verse 10, talks about love. St. John 15, verse 13. Hallelujah. The Bible, in fact, says that we must love our enemies. The Bible says we should carry one another's body. And imagine now God is saying, you must forgive. Now, let me show you something in this account. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. And they will begin to round up. Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I hope I'm blessing you this morning. Thank you, Lord. And so I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. Are you sure? <laughs> I said something deep, and let me reiterate that. The sin that you commit against God directly might not take you to heaven because he has the choice, I mean, to hell. He had the choice to forgive you. But the one that will take you to hell the sin that you commit against God might not take you to hell. But the one that you commit against someone else is the one that will easily take you to hell. Look at this account again. Luke chapter 6 verse 31. There's something there very, very important. He says, hmm. And as ye would, as you would, not as the person now, but as you would that men should do you. In other words, you are hoping that this is what they should do to me. This is what I want. I want forgiveness. I want to be loved. I want to be helped. I want somebody to treat me right. I want to be protected. I want to be respected. I want to be loved. I want to be honored. I want to be served. I want this. I want. I want. I want. In other words, God is saying whatever you want for yourself, look at it now, that others should do to you, do ye also likewise unto them. Do unto them. Do you see this coming? This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. It's like taking, taking, taking your, yourself to the mall now. He says, I want to buy this brand new shoe. I want to, Christmas is coming. I want to take care of myself. I, I want to do this. I want. That's what you want to do unto yourself. But on the other hand, God is saying, do that to somebody. Praise God. Or that which you intended about yourself. This is what I want. This is what this is. This, this is that. This is that. And I wish somebody could do it for me or do it to me. Then you go out there and do it to others. Imagine how many billionaires we have in this world. They themselves, they are sitting on wealth and they are still pulling the poor. And poor nations. Do you know that half of West Africa, half of West Africa can come into Canada and live peaceably without any headache and the world can still be controlled and managed. So why would 
The nation of Canada says, well, we're going to bring all the Gambians, all the Guineans, all the Sierra Leoneans, and all the Bissau, all the Senegalese. We're bringing them into Canada so we all live in peace. We're all humans. And let's make the world a better place. <laughs> they will tell you, no, no, no. There are systems, there are structures, there are government. We think about the economy, we think about population, we think about this, we think about that, we think about that, we think about... If you look at the economy of California alone, just the economy of California alone is higher than the entire economy of West Africa. Just the city of California, the economy alone is much more than the entire economy of West Africa. And yet we say we love each other. And then they will say, oh, we're going to donate, we're going to donate 20 million to Africa. Oh, we're going to donate 10 million to Africa. Oh, we're sending all of these things that they are doing. And we think that they are doing us good. God is saying, no, 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 no. You do unto others exactly, exactly the same way you want them to do unto you. Imagine you are living well as a millionaire. And just few blocks down the road, your neighborhood, Few blocks down the road. I know you have all your security, but few blocks down the road, others are suffering. Homeless! To the extent that they are frustrated and they end up becoming drug addicts. But you are, you are crossing legs on your love seat at home. You're living in a mansion. You have billions of dollars in your account. You don't care about the local man out there. So these are not my class. We say, but I have built my wealth over the years. I have built, listen to this now. Listen, let me say one major thing to you. No matter how wealthy you are, if you're not using your wealth to contribute to the development of humanity, it's useless. You are just a greedy, a greedy loser, put it that way. Because one day you will die and leave all that money away. Or one day you will realize that with the billions of dollars that you have, you're only going to lay down in one room at a night. You're only going to lay down upon one bed. You're going to live in one house. And then at the same time, even that bed in your room, you cannot occupy the entire bed. No matter how big you are, there's still enough space for someone else. Why won't you treat others right? Some of us are very disrespectful. The moment you see someone else, you become like a lioness, a mad lioness. Somebody just came to your place of work. You suspecting them. You don't even know the man. Right there, you begin to suspect him. Or the way he appears, I don't like him. Or he's of another race. Or I don't, I don't deal with people like this. He's not of my class. Right away, you begin to assume. You begin to conclude. And do you know one, one thing that is interesting in this life is that destinies are tied to other people. Your destiny may be tied to me. Mine may be tied to yours. And you don't even know. But you rejecting me and turning me down and calling me names and treating me anyhow, you might walk away, pass by, and go around for 20 years. If God has tied your destiny to me, you're wasting your time. You must come back to me. Equally so, if God has tied my destiny to you, even if I keep running around, breaking my head, looking for fulfillment, it won't work because you know the path and the way through. That is how God designed it. And so what is happening is that there's a recycle of problem. Why? Because certain people, God has positioned them somehow, somewhere, for them to become a blessing. But they are greedy, they are self-centered, they are wicked, they are bitter, and they don't want anyone else to come around. Why? Because they have a mindset on their own. 
praise the name of the Lord. We must be careful as Christians. We must be careful as believers. The Bible says we should do unto others as we will want them to do unto us. Listen now. It's not based on your feelings. Not based on, I'm, I'm just doing it for you because I just feel like doing it. No, not this, that is not a requirement. Well, I'm just doing it because my friend suggested to help you. And I'm just helping you because my friend suggested that I should help you. But I, I don't want to. I'm just doing it anyways. There is no reward in that. Oh, you know, I'm donating to that church because the government, if I don't donate, the government will come after me. But you know, you're a greedy bunch. And you don't want to donate. You don't want to help. And you just want to be yourself and yourself and you'll die with everything. And you ended up realizing that the world is full of vanity. You say, oh, you know, I'm not only doing it because somebody suggested that I should do it, but I'm just doing it because ah, I want people to recognize me, to know that I'm the one doing it. I want my name to be up there. No, the Bible says you do it as you may want others to do unto you. Remember, the scripture says something in Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Luke 6 38, it says something very interesting. And I will just read that. It says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. You remember that account? And it says, How is it going to happen? Good measure, pressed down, shake it together. Uh huh. Run. You see, you see, you give. But what is coming back at you is going to be much more than you what you have given. What is coming after you is what? She's going to be giving back to you. What is coming after you? How? Good measure is coming after you. Press down is coming after you. Shaking together is coming after you. Running over is coming after you. And the Bible says, how, how is this going to be done? Shall men give unto your bosom. So if you're a wicked man, it's going to come good measure, press down, shaking together, running over into your bosom. Praise God. If you are full of jealousy and hatred, if you betrayed someone, you killed someone, you hurt someone, you maligned someone, you destroyed someone, you assassinated their reputation, or you frustrated someone, that same frustration is coming back onto you. Good measure, press down, shaking together, running over. Men will give back to your bosom. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Hallelujah. So he said, give, and it shall be what? Given unto you. Hallelujah. So be careful of what you, you will do to other people. Be careful of the way you behave to other people. Don't cause them any harm. Don't treat them any harm. Before you act, you think. You think. Think about your family. Think about your children. Think about your own wife. Think about your own sons and daughters. Think about your friend, your neighbor. Hallelujah. Some people say, well, I'm only doing it for you today because I'm in a good mood. That's why I'm helping you. You're lucky I'm in a good mood. And God is saying, there's no reward in that. I didn't ask you to do it when you are in a good mood. Good mood or no good mood, you do unto others as you will want them to do unto you. Oh no, it's just a, an act of ra random kindness. Random kindness. You know, it's Christmas time. I just have to be nice. It's an act of random. You see, that's why I love Christmas when it comes to Jesus Christ. That's all. Other than that, Christmas is nothing that I like. Not even the season. Not even the music. 
You may wonder, ah, Pastor, why is it that? It's true. I like Christmas when I was in Africa, but not when I'm in Canada. I don't like the Canadian Christmas. Because when I'm in Africa, I was in Africa, they teach us exactly what Christmas is all about. It's about God, it's about Christ coming, and it's about our Savior. It's about that. We focus on Jesus. We understand, we get to know Jesus, our relationship with God. We make sure we make it right. At a time like this, we go for a retreat and spend time with God. But here in Canada, in America, in Europe, Christmas is about money, it's about buying things, it's about Black Friday, it's about Santa, it's about uh, Rudolph, Red Nose, it's about uh, all these things. And they make you feel as if if you don't have it, you're not part of it. That's why you see most times people commit suicide this time. People feel, feel burdened some for, they, they, feel, they feel stress, a lot of stress a time at a time like this. That's why when it comes to Christmas time, I don't pay attention, I don't, I don't even look at what is I don't know. It doesn't even, to me, it doesn't even seem as if there's Christmas. And when I hear those Christmas songs, sometimes I turn my radio off. On my, I mean, when I'm driving, I just play gospel songs. I don't pay attention to it. Because the Christmas here has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with Jesus. It's all about Santa. If it is not Santa, then it's going to be Satan. It's all about Rudolph. It's all about gifts. It's all about shopping. So they raise that up too much to the extent that idolatry is the anthem of the Christmas in this part of the world. So, beloved, God wants us to be very careful in whatever we're doing. Whatever we're doing, imagine, you must think because in return, it's going to come back onto you. So somehow you are helping. Don't help someone because Okay, I'm just doing it because, you know, I'm going to give you 5000 today because tomorrow I hope you will give me another 5000 No, do it wholeheartedly. Praise God. Hallelujah. Somebody goes down. Somebody is sick. Someone has a problem. Somebody is in need. Help them and be good to them. Be nice. Why? Because remember... In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and verse 9, it says, Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Praise God. And whatever you do, God acknowledges it. God is watching. The Bible says something in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13. It says, Nothing is hidden under the sun. Everything is exposed to Almighty God. God sees every one of us. He sees what we're doing. He sees our heart. Man look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. So my question to you is, is your life in line with God's golden rule to do unto others as you will want them to do unto you? What about that brother that is sick? What about that sister that failed in the church? What about that pastor that made a mistake? What about that politician or that government worker that, that, that did something wrong? You, you just pick up the issue. You put it online and you begin to discuss it. Begin to, uh, and what you are doing is you are destroying his children, destroying his wife, destroying his family, and you are believing that God will bless your own. It's never going to work. Remember, the Bible says, He that thinketh is standard, take it. In fact, let me don't just say, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and then we're going to pray. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 to verse 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Be careful as to what you do to someone else. 
Don't think you are better off than them. Don't think that, ah, you are up there, you will never go down. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 9 to verse 12. I'll read. Hallelujah. Verse 9 to verse 12. First Corinthians chapter 10. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpent. Neither murmur ye. Hallelujah. Neither murmur ye. As some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all, take note now, 11. Now all these things happened unto them for examples. And they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, this is the warning now. Let him that thinketh he standeth take it lest he fall. Let him that thinketh he standeth take it lest he fall. There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. But with the temptation also make a way of escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee from idolatry. I speak to the wise men, judge ye what I say. So be very careful. Be very careful. The way you treat others, the way you talk to others, stop despising people. When you see someone, you imagine, imagine that that's the image of God. That's God's child. That's the son of God. That's the daughter of God. And whatever you are going to do to him or to her, God is going to hold you accountable. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that thinketh he standeth, take it lest he fall. Some of you, you don't have no courtesy, no respect for anyone. You say, I will trample under them and just move. Some of you, you are allowing yourself to be wicked. Why? Because of the wickedness of other people. They say, hurtful people always hurt others. Hurtful people always hurt others. Abusers always go along abuse other people. Or the abuse ended up becoming an abuser. Why? Because you say, somebody must pay for what someone else had done to me. These are the reason why some young beautiful ladies are not married yet. They are angry because of what Jacob did. And when they met with Joseph, they said, Joseph, you must pay for Jacob's sin. And Joseph is saying, I wasn't there. And I didn't know anything about it. So you're all the same. All men are dogs. So I'll treat you like they treated me. No, you're missing the mark. If you're not careful, you will miss a very good Joseph. Be careful the way you talk to people. Be careful the way you treat them. Be careful the way you respond. Be careful the way you react. Be careful of your behavior. The Bible says you must make sure that you do to others as you would like them to do to yourself, to your children, to your family, to your reputation, to your health, to your career, concerning your destiny, concerning your church, concerning your finances, every area of your life, beloved. This is a universal principle. Finally, it reminds me of Joseph. I was just talking about Joseph. Joseph was in Potiphar's house. 
he had all the opportunity, he had all the, everything was to his favor. Even the woman in the house loved the man. And he could have slept with Madame Potiphar and at the end, God would have judged him or that would have been the, the, the abortion of his destiny, termination of his destiny, destruction of everything. But he said something. He said, I will not do this wicked thing. And I will not do this sinful thing unto God. When I read that, I was like, wow. But no, that is not God's wife. That is Potiphar's wife. What concerns God here is this. He had the fear of God because he knows that when he sinned against this man, he had already sinned against God. He knows that if he defies this woman, he already sinned against God. He knows that he is accountable to God. Do you have this fear and honor and respect for God to the extent that when you know and you're sure that whatever you do to another brother, another sister, someone else other than you, you're doing it unto God. Jesus said to one man, one rich man, you must love your neighbor as you love yourself. And the man asked Jesus, who is my neighbor? <laughs> and that's where I'm going to end. Who is your neighbor? Simple. Anyone other than yourself. Anyone else other than yourself is your neighbor. Love them just like you love yourself. So if I love myself to dress well, I should love others and dress them well. If I love myself to eat well, I should love others and make sure they eat well. Do you go around, look for somebody that has a problem to help? In fact, in this church, we need help. Can you help us? <laughs> Can you also help us? Yes. Some of you, you have been watching us. We've been teaching and praying for you and showing you things. When was the first time you ever sent a dime or you ever asked us? You're waiting for us to ask you, oh, send us money. We won't do that. But it is your responsibility to say, ah, how is this pastor living? How about the church? How can we support them? They've been a blessing to us. How can we contribute to their life? How can we support the things of God? What about the homeless that are around your city? Now it's winter. You look at the weather out there. It's cold. A lot of people didn't come to church today because of the weather. Right? Did you, did you actually get up today and look through the window and see what is happening there and say, ah, there's somebody out there that is homeless. Can I, at least when I'm cooking, let me go give them some food. Can I give them my coat? I have, how many winter coats that I have? Brand new jacket I bought. I never wore some of them. Why would I give to the homeless? Why would I support someone else? Oh, in my church, there's a sister that doesn't dress well. Why would I care for her? Oh, there's a man outside. And why would I, you know, look for someone to help? You're a millionaire. You're a millionaire. You have thousands and millions of dollars. And some of us are suffering. We're looking out for help. And God placed you there to be a blessing. When was the first time? I'm not even asking you for the last because you've never done it. When was the first time you care for the next person? Do unto others as you may want them to do unto you. Listen to this, beloved. Life is unpredictable. Don't conclude on people today because you are in a good position. The weather change system change. Everything goes around like a cycle. Today you are up. It's your turn. You are up there. The cycle is going to move. And before you know one of these days you will be going down. That's not my wish. But what if you go down? 
do you know there are people that will say, no, 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 not a man like this, not a woman like this. I remember when he was up there, when she was up there, they picked me up and they raised me up. Listen, when you raise others up, when you support them, when you put your life, your resources, your time out there for others, they are the ones that will become the pillars and the platform. They will be the defenders of your destiny. Tomorrow, anything happens, they will jump and say, not this one. Anything happened, they will rush out and say, not this one. I'll give you a final testimony and we'll pray. I've been a missionary in several countries in Africa. And I've planted some churches. And I remember I was, I was in a, one particular country in Africa and then there was some conflict somehow. And I was working with a sister there. And this sister, she's committed. She loves God. She does everything. She's, I'm telling you, she's like consecrated, zealous. Prayer number one, fasting number one, soul winning number one. Everything about her. And I believe others could testify about this woman. She used to go out and minister to any kind of guys out there. Wayward guys, drug dealers, you know, drop out. Anyone, she will minister to you and care for you and show you Christ. She's like a church planter like myself. So something happened in the country and we're about to travel and we're at the airport. So in the midst of this chaos, security, police, soldiers, and everybody, you know, we're thinking, how can we get out of here? How, how can we get out of here? And one of the guys came and pointed to this woman and said, Auntie, I know you. Are you not the pastor woman? Are you not the pastor preaching? Are you not the pastor going around? She, she pointed to me. She said, no, I'm the pastor. No, she, the guy says, no, I know you, I know you. And the guy called the place. He said, I was in the village in so and so and so. You remember, you used to go there and preach to us and pray for us. And, and the woman says, yes, yes, I remember now. I'm the one, I'm the one. And the guy grabbed our luggage, grabbed this, grabbed that, grabbed everything. Favor. In the midst of the, the, the conflict, in the midst of the, 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 the frustration, in the midst of all the chaos, because of this woman that was with me, and because of what she had done, God used that one of those young men who is now part of the military, pick us up and led us out, perfect and safe, while others were still left behind. Why? Because whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Do unto others as you would want them to do unto you. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this wonderful morning. Thank you for all that you have said and done. Lord, our hearts are full of conviction. We know we are wrong. We know, Lord, we've said and done things that we shouldn't have said and done. We've been to places. We've hurt other people. There are so many things that, God, we ought to have let go and we're still holding on to. Lord, we apologize. Lord, we are sorry. Lord, we repent this morning. We're asking for your forgiveness. Those of us who have been hurt, we're begging you, God, that you help us to forgive others who have hurt us. And those, oh God, who are the ones going out there committing crime, perpetrating crime and hurting other people, Lord, have mercy upon them. Have mercy. Let them understand and realize that whatever seed they are sowing, they will reap in return and they should stop. 
Lord, we look at our church. We look at our lives personally. We look at our families. We look at our nation. We look at the world, the culture, the system, our village, our community. We've realized that this is the problem. We have not been able to treat others the way we want to be treated. We have not been able to respect others the way we ought to be respected. We have not been able to live right with others the way we, are, we expect them to live with us. Father, we ourselves, we are the problem. Sometimes we try to glorify the devil and say the devil is bad. And one thing we fail to realize is that we are the one causing the devil to interfere in our lives. Lord, we apologize. Lord, we are sorry. We pray you restore our heart. We know that most of the depression, the frustration, all the stress and all the, the, the blood disease, the heart disease and all the high blood pressure that is happening is as a result of the way we behave to others and the way others behave to us. Lord, we apologize. We're sorry. Lord, we know it's, 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 it's difficult and it hurts us. But Lord, we choose to forgive. We choose to forgive in the midst of the pain. We choose to forgive in the midst of the hurt. We choose to forgive in the midst of the disgrace. We choose to forgive in the midst of the criticism, the false and true accusation. We choose to forgive in the midst of the, 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 the disappointment and the failure and what we've lost. Lord, we let go and we're letting you have your way in the name of Jesus. Father, pastors, we're asking that you forgive our leaders. Forgive, oh God, our members. And Father, we're asking you forgive our pastors. Father, we're asking that, Lord, you forgive our government. You forgive our government leaders. And we're asking God that the government and the government leaders will forgive the citizen. We're asking God that you forgive our employers. And we're asking God that our employers will be forgiven. And you forgive, oh God, the employees. We're asking God you forgive our family members, our business partners. Lord, we are all wrong. We've all sinned against you. We apologize. We're sorry. Lord, have mercy upon the rapist. And have mercy upon the victims of rape. Have mercy upon the liars. Have mercy upon the victims of gossip. Have mercy, O oh God, upon the backbiters and then the bloodshedders and then those who are murderers and those who are religiously wicked and those who are demonically wicked. Lord, we pray that you forgive them and you forgive those who have been the victim of their wickedness. Father, if only we realize this, Satan will have no right. He will have no chance. Open our eyes, O oh God, to behold wondrous things out of your word. The Lord, we will know that the earth is a peaceful place. We are the one that is causing the trouble. That the earth was made to glorify God and to bring pleasure to God. Humanity was made, were made to glorify God. But yet we have turned our weapons against ourselves. Friendly fire. Oh, this race doesn't like that race. White people hate black people. Black people hate white people. Muslim hate Christian. Christian hate Muslim. Oh, businessman, they hate uh, beggars. Beggars hate businessman. Oh, this hate that. That we're hating each other, fighting each other unnecessarily, and we are all from the same Father and the same God. We're sorry, Lord. Father, we ask you, Lord, for wisdom in this life. Father, we will keep your golden rule so that, Lord, our home will be at peace. Churches will be at peace. Places of work will be at peace. Our community will be at peace in the name of Jesus. And those of you who are watching and you haven't given your life to the Lord Jesus, can I pray with you right now? Can you say this with me there, Lord Jesus? 
come before you. I ask you for your forgiveness. Pardon me, O oh God. Deep down in my heart, I have sinned against you. I am sorry. Come into my heart. I confess you as my Lord, my Savior. I believe you died for me. You were in the grave. On the third day, you rose from the dead. Write my name in the Lamb's book of life with your blood. Seal me, Holy Ghost, my spirit, my soul, my body. I covenant with you. Thank you for my salvation. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. If you have said that prayer, beloved, you are saved this morning. Look for a Bible, believe in church, and get yourself involved so that you grow in grace and in the knowledge of God's word. And for those of you out there, we love you. God richly bless you. Go out there and make reconciliation. Reconcile to your father. Say you are sorry to your mom, to your husband, your wife, your employers, your employee. It doesn't matter their age or your age. Don't let pride come in and say, I'm the father. Oh, I'm the husband. I'm the wife. I'm the pastor. No. If you have to apologize, go apologize. If you have to go say you're sorry, say you're sorry. If you're wrong, say you're wrong. You said something that destroyed someone's marriage. You posted something or you sent a message or you did this. You, whatever you, you've done, you took some money from someone. Go make restitution. Tell them you're sorry. And let me shock you. I'm, I'm done, but this is the last word. Do you know that some of the sicknesses, the diseases, the pain, and even the access that the enemy has to come in and hurt some of us is as a result of the way we've treated others? Yes, yes. So, but how can we resolve that? Go say I'm sorry. Go and repent. Go and ask for forgiveness. Somebody didn't know that you were the one that called the husband or called the wife to say this and this is happening. And that's how the marriage break up. You have a long way to go. Go back to them and tell them you're sorry. And you are the one and you are the cause. You see what's going to happen. God will open these windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. Till we meet again, keep us in your prayers and we will do likewise. Join us on Wednesday for our Bible studies. We love you. Have yourself a wonderful weekend. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Hallelujah.